Welcome to this week's edition of the Fret Club. My name is John Height. It's a program where we uh, we talk to guitar players. Actually, they're from past interviews that I did as a writer for Vintage Guitar Magazine. Check that magazine out, by the way. I think it's the best guitar magazine at www.vintagegeguitar.com. This interview comes from the year 2000. It's uh, with a giant of a songwriter, singer, and guitar player, a fellow by the name of Dave Alvin. Uh, he and his brother Phil were the leaders of the Blasters out of the West Coast back in the 1980s. Uh, they were a powerhouse band. Really didn't fit in with the, uh, well, let's call it vapid big hair rock of the decade. Sorry, guys. Ironically, the interview coincides with the release of a record of songs he didn't write. The album was called Public Domain. It was a collection of folk tunes that he covered. Uh, the conversation started with a very road-weary Dave Elvin. John, how are you? Good, how are you? <laughs> You've been out on the road, or? Well, no, I've, I've been at home on the road. Uh, ah. We played last night uh, down in San Juan Capistrano at uh, Coach House. <laughs> how, how long of a drive is that for you? Well, uh, you know, in a perfect world, it's really about an hour. Uh-huh. But then you factor in uh, uh, dropping off various people sure. and this, that, and the other. Sure. So I didn't get, I didn't get home like four in the morning. Oh man! So I'm a little groggy today. You have to forgive me. No problem. Despite all that weariness, uh, Alvin's droll sense of humor and love of the music took over the conversation as I asked him to describe the record and how it came about. Well, I, it, it's just something I've always wanted to do, uh, and I, it, 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 I thought about it in various ways and various sort of concepts for a record like this. And for one reason or another, I just never did it. I always, uh, I tend to, uh, tended to put like special projects like this. Sure. Just put them off. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, but this time, uh, earlier this year, I was. Uh, my dad was very ill, and, mm-hmm. and uh, he passed away this year. But he was ill for about three and a half months or so before he passed away. And, mm-hmm. And uh, I was in the studio uh, producing a record for um, this singer named Christy McWilson. Sure. And so I would either go be at the hospital in the morning before the studio or or, uh, go to the hospital afterwards. And uh, and, uh, so at one point he was was on life support. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting in in his room, you know, and, and... you know, he can't talk or anything, and all you hear is these beeps. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, when you're in that kind of situation and your parents lie in there and you think all sorts of, you know, mighty, great, sure. and mundane thoughts at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, so while my brain was contemplating mortality and, you know, the reason of life, mm-hmm. the, the mundane side of my brain was like, you know, you, you don't live forever. If you, if you want to do something, just do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And that was really the, the, the you know, why. Uh-huh. Like, I'd taken off, I'd been on tour for like, just for about two years solid, and, uh, and I'd taken this time off, and then my dad got sick, and to be real honest, I was like, you know, if we took the time off being the band so that I could, you know, write the next album. Yeah. And, and I was just sitting there, during this whole thing, I was just not in the mood to, you know, 
write a bunch of love songs. Understandably, sure, yeah. And so I said, okay, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Let's just go do it. I've got the, you know, the the studio where I did the Christie's record was available. The engineer was available. He was great. It's a great studio. I could, you know, the, the, everybody in my band was available, and it was just, it was a spur of the moment, mm -hmm. really. Song-wise, I'm guessing you probably had a million you could have picked from. Yeah, yeah. The mainly um, some of some of the song choices were. Um, um, kind of symbolic mm -hmm. uh, or representational as, uh, you know um, where like it's supposed to uh, uh, pick a song to cover a couple of bases you mm -hmm. know and uh, um, and but it was about but most of them were a couple of them were you know were songs that we'd been doing live anyway, oh they were okay like an encore and stuff like that mm -hmm. um, and uh Yeah, okay, that was my next question, actually. I was going to ask if you had arrangements in your head or if you guys arranged them on the spot or both. <laughs> uh, well, some both. Mm -hmm. um, like I went in to the studio saying, you know, I'd chosen a lot of uh, what I, I had decided were obscure mm -hmm. uh, songs, and then I, you know, then I figured we needed a couple of... Uh, Obviously, a lot of these songs you've known a long time. Um, your palate is pretty broad <laughs> in terms of American music. Yeah. Um, and to kind of to go backwards a step or two, how you know, obviously you and your brother both develop pretty pretty broad tastes. How'd that happen? You guys just searching out music, that kind of thing, when you were young. What we had uh, very cool cousins. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, older cousins that. Um, She would give us her old records, 
when she got tired of them. <laughs> Very nice, yeah. And so, as little kids, you know, we had this, I had this concept, you know, just of, this music was wild. <laughs> it was for a while. Yeah, before, sure. You, know. you had to be swimming against the grain on occasion with other kids at that point, I would think, weren't you? Oh, <laughs> uh, definitely by the time of high school. Yeah. Uh, but then I had this cousin, I mean, I'm talking like, you know, four or five, five or six years old, you know. Mm-hmm. Like 
Lee Allen and Big Joe just sure. really took us under their wing. And, you know, but yeah, we were we got to be close with you know T Bone Walker and Eddie Vince, Eddie Queen, Eddie Vince. And, wow. You know, um, and you know, because a lot of those guys uh, lived out here. Mm-hmm. And once we found that out, and we also, also we found out that they didn't live that far from us, and, mm-hmm. and that uh, a lot of guys. Yeah, it's a long story. I could go on for hours. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, so that that that's what that's. Okay. It's kind of where we learned a lot of stuff. I didn't learn. That, you know? Yeah. Where Where did you actually grow up then? I grew up in Downey, California. Okay, Downey. All right. I got you. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, like playing history, that kind of thing. Obviously, you followed those guys around. When did you guys actually start, you know, gigging and playing, playing instruments to the point uh, where... My brother started real young. I mean, he started uh, <coughs> uh, at, uh, uh, God, I guess he was 13, he started his first band at, he kept a running band going in, into his, uh, uh, God, I think like 20 years old, he finally okay. broke up his band. He always had a sort of Chicago, yeah, more Chicago than anything else, kind of blues band. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, uh, no, but we had this, like, clique of friends who were all great musicians, you know, especially guitar players, so I never played guitar. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
you know, based mm-hmm. on ability. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> okay. Um, did you uh, actually were you, did you play before with any bands before the Blasters or not guitar? Well, you didn't. Okay. Uh, maybe goofing around. Sure. Yeah. No, I played. My instruments were uh, uh, saxophone and flute. Wow. Like okay. Lee Allen. I don't know if you know who Lee Allen. Sure. Is. Sure. Sure. Lee Allen was like my mentor. Mm-hmm. On the sax and all that. I didn't know that. And, uh, and uh, yeah, there was there was no tears shed in the in the saxophone world when I made it to rest <laughs> finally. <laughs> what are you saying, Dave? <laughs> um, I've heard worse, though. Yeah. I have to as far as um, everybody pretty much, uh, or not everybody, but uh, I know, and, and I'll make sure the readers know about the Blasters, obviously. Um, from there, you, you kind of took a left turn to some people, and probably not to you, I don't know, uh, with X, obviously. Yeah, it wasn't really, it, it, um, at the time, it, it didn't seem weird, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they were, uh, at that time, they were like my best friends. I was going to say, how'd you hook up with them? <laughs> yeah, well, we'd, we'd already had a little group called the Knitters mm-hmm. beforehand uh, that, that we started just for fun on the side. Members from X and you, right? Members from X and, mm-hmm. and me. And, and it was just a way of getting away from the various pressures of the, you know, our bands. Sure. And uh, it was also a way of playing a sort of folk-country mm-hmm. kind of music. Is that one of the reasons you ended up leaving the Blasters in the first place, or? Yeah, well, the Blasters got to a point where um, where it stopped being fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it was just uh, we are we, we you know we all grew up together. Sure. sure. And uh, and so when you got a bunch of guys, I mean, even even Lee Allen, I knew since I was you know thirteen. Yep. Yep. And uh, so the whole band, you know, um, we all we just knew each other in and out, you know, and. and so, and, and that's great, but on the other hand, there are also rules inside the band that I didn't, mm-hmm. as a songwriter, just, just I felt straight-jacketed by. Sure, sure. And, um, and, you know, and every band's got rules. Yep. You know, uh, the Rolling Stones don't do polkas, you know. It's, <laughs> you know maybe they should. You know. <laughs> At this point, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, um, anyway, so... Uh, I just got fed up with the rules, and it just wasn't fun, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and the band, you know, music, you know, without trying to sound like I'm an airhead here, mm-hmm. but 
you know, music and the playing of it should be fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure even Stravinsky was having fun at yeah. some point. Everybody, I think everybody who reads the magazine will be able to relate to that because everybody's been stuck in that situation where yeah. it's just not a fun thing. Yeah. Sometimes you keep doing it and you shouldn't. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, you, you talked about songwriting and uh, when you first started doing solo albums, uh, I mean, that had to be a, li- a little bit different than what you'd been involved with before, I'm assuming. Um, w- was the process a little different for you? You know what I mean? Doing your own stuff, having your own bands, that kind of thing. Yeah, we constantly, you know, I mean, songwriters always, you know, we, we, we just almost every songwriter that I talk to about this has a, has a sensor or a board of sensors, you know, <laughs> inside their head that, you know, helps them in the editing process. Sure. And, uh, you know, when, when I was writing songs for my brother to sing and the blasters to play, you know, they were the sensors, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, no, we're not going to do this, this isn't our style or something. Mm-hmm. I won't sing that, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I still carry a board of sensors around, but there, there was kind of a little bit of a, a liberating thing of, oh my God, I can use a, I can use a minor two, you know, <laughs> or a minor six, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, uh, you know, because we used to get fist fights over it. Like, Are you serious? Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, it was like <laughs> minor chords are cheating, you know. <laughs> You did have rules, you're right. Yeah, no, we had strict rules. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and I, you know, anyway, um, so it was, it was, it was very liberating. Okay, okay. Uh, um, question, kind of related to what we're talking about, um, as far as do, do you think yourself now as as like both a guitarist and a songwriter? You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. Well, yeah, I'm getting to be an okay guitar player. And you can play okay, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. I mean, yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah there's, um, you know, like everywhere you go, there's some great guitar players. Oh, yeah. You know, you go play someplace, and then after the gig, somebody says, hey, you got to go with this joint around the corner, and you got to hear this guy playing guitar. <laughs> you know, and I go, great. Yeah, do I, ha- do I have to? Do I have to? good enough to 
decade, um, you know, of um, touring. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of gigs, uh, acoustic gigs, with people like uh, Kelly Joe Phelps sure. and Chris Smither. Mm-hmm. And they would go out and open the show, and I would just be sitting backstage, you know, <laughs> trying to slip my wrist. <laughs> you know, because you know, these guys are virtuosos. Sure. And, uh, and I just, you know, I told myself, before I die, I at least want to be, you know, I, I may not be as good as them, but I, I can at least not be embarrassed. Sure, I understand. So that's really what I'm shooting for. Does, would one, when I listen to your albums, um, I'm pretty sure I know what's you and what's Greg. Would I be correct? <laughs> well, I don't know. See, that's why I, my next question was, is, is there any way to uh, to discern who's playing what? Or, um, the guy that's always out of tune. No, um, <laughs> Um, depends on the record. Sure. You know, um, uh, you know, like on Blackjack David, I did all mm-hmm. the acoustic guitars. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I did, uh, I did uh, one or two electric things. Okay. You know, the solos. Okay. And uh, but that was that record was really Greg's baby as far as uh, you know he really wanted he wanted to have this sort of textural electric. Okay, sure. All my acoustics. Sure. I gotta tell you, one album I love is the live album from like '95 or '6. Oh yeah, well that's me. God, I just, <laughs> yeah, I assumed that, but I that album just it, it kind of you know how once in a while you need to be reinvigorated by something you hear. That one did it for me. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. It was uh, it was very nice to hear at the time. Yeah, I think a couple couple records on the line we're gonna do try to do another live one because of the the addition of the band I have right now is so good. Are you, are you going out uh, touring, or I mean, besides, you know, you said you're playing local. Yeah, you... some band touring, uh, a little, not a, not a lot, mm-hmm. uh, some, uh, but then uh, the bulk of the touring is um, a little four-piece acoustic group. Oh, really? That'd be yeah. fun. That would be yeah, fun. That we're mainly doing like, uh, uh, doing like the listening rooms. Where, how about influences as far as like songwriting? Uh, would they be the same kind of deal, or would we? All over the place. Uh-huh. Uh, everything from uh, you know uh, the early, early, early you know like um, early influences. I love s- story songs, mm-hmm. and uh, my earliest sort of musical memories were of story songs were like um, El Paso. Sure. Marty Robbins, is a, you know, was a big influence. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Memphis by Chuck Berry, you know, things like that. Okay. that has to come out of your songs or uh, do you actually go about uh, you know 
knowing how you sound or how you want to sound, if that makes any sense. Vocally? Yeah. Well, it took me a long time to find uh, my voice. Because mm-hmm. when I did when I did go solo and I left X and went solo, mm-hmm. uh, I had never really sang. Right. You know, I mean, the, the, you know, if there was a party, I was the, the drunk caterwauling <laughs> in the corner, you know, the, and the sing-along thing, you know, and, uh, you know, I sang as a child, as a kid, you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, but it, it just stopped one day, and I mean, you know, it's intimidating when you have a brother like, mm-hmm. like Phil, who's, a, who's a brilliant, loud singer, you know? Yeah, sure, and, I'll bet. Well, I, you know, uh, you know, I've said a few times, you know, if, if Bob Dylan had my brother for, for a brother, he never would have sang, you know? <laughs> Anyway, so but it took me a while, to, and and it took Greg Lease really. Um, it took a couple of things. It took Greg Lease um, forcing me to use a capo mm-hmm. because that was another rule the Blasters had. I, 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 you know, and I'd show my brother uh, photographs of you know Big Joe Williams in the '30s or something. With yeah, a, with a capo on his guitar, and it's like ah, that's for you know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh, Greg. Greg, you know, uh, has played with me just about more than anybody, mm-hmm. with uh, a few exceptions, you know, and, and he knew how my voice was, and, and he just said, here is a capo, use this, <laughs> you know, instead of, you know, singing that song and trying to sing it in the guitar keys of mm-hmm. E or A, you know, or G or something, mm-hmm. I think you might be a B flat, you know, on this, and he was right, sure, you know, Very cool. there was my voice. <laughs> in a way, that and uh, and I did, you know, I did some dates in New York. I did like this four night thing within New York with Richard Thompson. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this was, you know, about ninety two or ninety three. Okay. And uh, you're ninety three, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just watched him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I watched how he used his voice. Now he's got a, a little more range than me, and, mm-hmm. he's, and he's a you know just a he's a beautiful singer. Mm-hmm. But the thing I learned from him was uh, he tends to pitch himself into the song, you know, vocally. Sure. Because of his his voice, you know, is is a lower thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it started like clicking in my head. You know? <laughs> and it wasn't like I went out the next morning and could sing. Right. But, yeah. I always, you know, um, because of the singers I worked with and the singers that I loved, uh, you know, on old records and stuff, were always, you know, tended to be guys that sang above the band. Yep. You know, like Big Joe Turner and people like that. Uh-huh. And uh, I had to come to the sad conclusion that I was the kind of singer that sang <laughs> under the band. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, and, that, and that, again, was like, oh, you know, okay, this is very effective. That's, one of the things that, uh, not the main one, but it's one of the things that led me to play more acoustic. You know. Cool, very cool. Okay, um, equipment. Yeah. What, uh, I guess, you know, obviously what we'd be interested in are like main electrics, that kind of thing, what you like to use, uh, what you yeah. use on stage. Years ago, I used to have a bunch of guitars. Mm-hmm. And uh, after my first solo record, and, and I went broke, and then I went into debt. Mm-hmm. I had to sell a lot of things. Sure. And the reason I'm telling you this.
have a lot of things. Sure. sure. It's just uh, uh, it, it's superstition or something. <laughs> so what I've got now is uh, is stuff that I think is real good, mm-hmm. and it's stuff that I won't part with. Mm-hmm. I don't care how in debt I am. <laughs> sure. Um, so what I've got, uh, I've got two Fender Stratocasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a 1964, and everything is stock. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, the 64, is stock with, uh, with a pretty much rubbed away kind of, you know, banana, banana yellow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Coat with a red, red tortoiseshell pickguard, and uh, the uh, the uh, then I have a 61 Strat. from 2000. Again, uh, those interviews done for Vintage Guitar Magazine. Check them out at VintageGuitar.com. Uh, Alvin, by the way, still making great records, playing great shows, also occasionally does reunion shows with the Blasters, and in 2014 made a record, uh, kind of got back together with Brother Phil. Uh, thanks for being here and listening to the Fret Club. My name is John Height. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook. And, uh, in fact, email me, too, if you could. Uh, let me know what you think of the show. Email jhight at garagelogic.com, J-H-E-I-D-T. Uh, Twitter, you can send me a note, uh, if you'd like, or mention it at at Mr. Underscore FYI 10. Also, like you to go to iTunes and rate the show as we're just getting it underway and trying to get it going. Uh, we'd like some feedback and get things going. So we will uh, see you next time. Remember the shows. Uh, you'll hear a new one on Thursdays. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>